amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 17. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word, you can open up to page uh, 1368 in the Pew Bible. 1368 in the Pew Bible in front of you. And uh, as you're opening up there, I just want to say... Uh, how grateful I am to have each and every one of you here this morning. I know there's lots of things you could be doing today, and uh, you, you, you've chosen to be here with the Lord's people on the Lord's Day, and that means a whole lot to me. One of my pastor friends earlier said, you know, you can have the beach or the mountains or the lake. I want to had a picture of his church, so I want to be right here today. And I thought, well, I wouldn't mind having both, but if I have to choose, I guess... Yeah, let's be right here at First Baptist Church Gadsden. So thank you all for being here. It does help when you've got a river in town a lot. You know, it helps a lot. So thank you all. It's so, such a joy to have you here this morning. Well, if you have your Bibles open there, won't you go ahead and stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking you beginning of verse 14 but as for you continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it <clears throat> and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray together. Oh God, would you this morning open our hearts and minds so that we might receive your word. And God, I pray we would be changed by it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There's a video I saw recently. It kind of made the rounds um, on social media and that kind of thing. And many of you probably saw it as well, or perhaps you did. And, and as the video opens, it's not a super high-quality, polished thing. It's obviously somebody standing there with a cell phone taking the video. And, and you see a small room, and, and in the floor is a suitcase. And someone begins to open up the suitcase, and then suddenly, as that suitcase is being opened, people flock around it. I mean, they start swarming the suitcase. There's all kinds of commotion and activity. It's loud. And you, and you wonder what's going on. And you start to realize they're pulling books out of the suitcase. And the video is a video of Chinese Christians, a group of believers in China receiving their own copies of God's Word, presumably the only Bibles that they've ever had. And as the video goes on, it's, it's amazing enough to see people diving in to try to get a Bible. And yet, it gets even more amazing because as they grab their Bibles, they begin weeping, they're elated, they're thrilled. You can just see it on their faces how excited they are. More than one person takes the Bible and kisses it. 
And immediately, the camera pans around and, 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 and shows a lady, and, and she says, this is exactly what we have been needing. And she clutches the Bible, and then the camera turns back around to the other side of the room, and there in chairs are a group of Chinese Christians already sitting down, opening God's Word, thumbing through their Bibles, taking a look at their Bibles. And right down the hall down here, if you just go out here and take a left, you can go to my study here. And I can sit at my desk in my study, and I can count out 20 Bibles that sit around me. 20 of them. Twenty by, At least 20 Bibles. And that doesn't count the Bible I've got on my iPad, the Bible I've got on my phone, the Bible I can get in my browser, or the Bible I've got on my Logos uh, Bible software. And on top of that, it doesn't count the Bibles I have at home. In fact, I forgot one. I've got 21 Bibles. I just remembered one I didn't count. I've got a loose-leaf Bible. I can take out the pages and put other places. I've got all kinds of Bibles. And your house may be like ours, and you've got just a lot of Bibles around. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing. I'd like for there to be a high percentage of somebody goes looking for a book. They're going to grab a Bible. I like that. And yet... As we recognize what an embarrassment of riches we have when it comes to the intake of the Bible. You know, you stop and think about it. You don't even have to, you don't even have to travel to buy a Bible. You don't even have to go online and have a Bible shipped. Right now, there are multiple stores. Even today, you could go to in Gadsden and go buy a Bible. Or, if you don't have a Bible and you don't want to buy a Bible or can't buy a Bible, look in front of you. There's Bibles right there. And I'll send one home with you today. If you'd like to have a Bible, just grab it. You don't even have to ask. Just take a Bible with you. We have access. We have a, an embarrassment of riches when it comes to our ability to take in the Bible. Uh, our, our Bible intake is as easy and as simple as it has ever been in the history of the church. If you want, you can listen to the Bible. You don't even have to buy the one off the TV either. You can listen to it on your phone. You can listen to the Bible. We have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to our ability to access the Bible, and yet we probably live in the most biblically illiterate time in the history of the United States. We probably know the Bible less than any other generation. We're probably the most literate society in the history of the world. And yet we have lost our knowledge of the Scriptures. And brothers and sisters, we talk all the time about where we want people to study the Bible. I wish, wish people studied the Bible here. I wish people would study the Bible there. I hear Christians all the time talking about, I wish we could study the Bible in schools again. And I'm, I understand where we're coming from and all that, but I, I think a really good start would be to study the Bible at church. Thank you, man. <laughs> I, I think a really good start would be to study the Bible at church. Let's not have dog and pony shows. Let's not do all this and that. Let's study the Bible at church. Let's, here's another thought. Let's preach the Bible at church. And, and here's another thought. Let's read the Bible in our own personal lives. Let, let's teach our children the Bible. I, I, I don't get too worked up about whether my kids learn the Bible at, church, at school or not, because I, I'm real passionate about teaching them the Bible at home. I want them to know and learn their Bible from me. 
not just their pastor, but from their dad. Brothers and sisters, here's what I want you to understand this morning. That's as guilty as it's going to get today, because here's the reality. We've, we've neglected the Bible in so many ways in our lives, in our churches, in our homes. But, but here's the thing I want you to know, is that feeling guilty about it is never going to lead you to God's Word. Here's what I want you to see. The Bible is a treasure. The Bible is a treasure. You would have thought watching that video of those Chinese believers that it was, a, it was, it was like a pinata had been busted at a kid's birthday party. They were just rushing in to grab it. You would have thought it was treasure in the floor. And that's precisely because it is. My hope and my prayer as we talk about Bible intake this morning is that you will see the joy and the honor and the privilege of having, reading, and studying God's Word. So I want to show you this morning three truths to help you desire to take in more of God's Word. Three truths... To, 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 to help you desire to take in more of God's Word. Now, it's, it's important. I got this idea of Bible intake from a guy named Donald Whitney. He was one of my professors at Southern Seminary. Because when we think about engaging the Bible, we almost always think entirely in terms of reading the Bible. It's very important to read the Bible, but, but, but we ought to do more with the Bible than just read it. And so this morning, we'll talk about intake of the Bible. So three truths to help give you a greater desire, I hope, this morning for Bible intake. Help you desire to take in more of God's Word. Here's the first point. First point this morning is this. The Bible is simply powerful. The Bible is simply powerful. There's a simplicity to God's Word. And in that simplicity lies the power of God's Word in so many ways. Let's look. Let's look to the Bible. How about that? Let's look to the Bible. See what it says here. Verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. Do you hear what he says? What Paul says? Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Knowing what? From whom you learned it and how from childhood <coughs> you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. What does Paul say to Timothy? Continue in what you learned. And he talks about how Timothy has been what? Acquainted with these writings, what? From childhood. And that the scriptures are able to make him what? Wise for salvation through faith. In Jesus Christ. Let's just look at, at all these elements here of what Paul says. First of all, he says, continue in what you learned. Brothers and sisters, one of the things I fear that we've lost in the modern church is an idea of the church as a place where people are taught. Where people are taught. You know why? You know why we don't teach in church? Because people think it's boring. Plain and simple. I'm just going to tell you, as someone who's on the inside, every time I try to bring meat to the Lord's people, I'm a little nervous because I'm afraid people will think it's boring. That's why I wear bright-colored ties. Sermon's boring, but at least the tie's not. Now think about it. Think about it. We do, by and large, 
pastors and church staff members, by and large, do what the people want them to do. Now, you might think to yourself, my goodness, that's not true, preacher. But it's true. By and large, what we all recognize in this is that either we can give folks what they want or somebody else will, and somebody else will. Here's, here's the reality. We have lost the idea that we are here at, at some level or another to learn. To learn. To grow deeper. You know, you think about it, and anything you do and everything you do, you learn all the time. You're always learning. People are doing continuing education for work. People are learning all the time. Folks will watch TV. They'll watch elaborate shows with these really crazy plots, and they'll learn everything there is to know about the show. Some of you might watch baseball, and you, you, you know every statistic of every player in Major League Baseball right now, or at least all the Braves or whatever else. You can tell us who was the quarterback in Alabama in 19-whatever. You can tell us who the, who the punter was at Auburn and whenever or whatever else. We can learn all kinds of different things. And yet, for some reason or another, sometimes it feels like when we come to church, we don't want to learn. Now, one thing I will commend you in here as a church is that, that I really do not, from you, feel the pressure to dumb things down. We don't feel the pressure to entertain you all the time. And yeah, I think we all feel that temptation, right, to want to check our minds at the door when we come to the Lord's house, when we come and meet with the Lord's people. But what does Paul say? Continue in what you learned knowing from whom you learned it. In other words, who we're taught by matters. And pastoring right now is a challenge in so many ways because everyone here has access to teaching I don't know about. This is a challenge because I don't always know who you're listening to or who you're reading. Sometimes, you know, somebody will come up and say, Preacher, I listened to this great sermon the other day and I, I just I don't want to know who it was by. <laughs> Because you, there's so many people out there who are teaching false things. And so it's important to know from whom we learned it. Now, listen, I don't think that the only place you can learn God's Word is right here at First Baptist Church of Gadsden. In fact, I want you to learn from other solid preachers and teachers. But we must have discernment in knowing from whom we learned it. We learn elsewhere in Paul's letters to Timothy that who he's probably referring to is his mother and grandmother, Lois and Eunice, who taught Timothy the Scriptures as a boy. Women who at that time probably weren't Christians, and yet were still teaching him God's Word as Jewish people. And Paul says he knew it, what? From childhood. From childhood. And that those Scriptures which he's learned from his whole life, that, that which he learned as a child and has grown up in his whole life, those Scriptures that he has learned are able to make him wise for salvation. I read yesterday an article that said 50% of Southern Baptist students leave Southern Baptist life after college. They don't come back to Southern Baptist churches. And um, I, I don't know enough about the data, and I've not done enough research to say exactly why that is. I, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows exactly, but I can show you a few trends I've noticed. I. This is totally anecdotal, totally from my personal observations, but I can tell you a few things I've noticed. Uh, one, and there's you know a challenge here, a lot of students just don't know the Lord yet, and so they leave the church altogether. But a big chunk of our, our students, that by and large, are going to church. But a lot of them will either find 
a denomination that's cooler or a church that's cooler. And the reality is we've kind of trained them to find that because we've tried to chase being cool a lot of times. Our churches sort of want to be cool, but the problem is somebody can always be cooler than Southern Baptists. It was kind of a joke, but anyway, you recognize that, okay? Everybody knows that, you know, everybody's like, no, no, I don't think that's true, preacher. No, trust me, somebody can always be cooler than Southern Baptists, trust me. The Southern Baptist Convention is coming up in Birmingham, take a trip down there, you'll know immediately, yep, we're not going to win the cool contest. It's not going to happen. Or, or they go somewhere where they'll be taught something. They'll go somewhere where they'll be taught something. They'll find a denomination that takes theology seriously. They'll go somewhere where they're going to be taught something. And brothers and sisters, we are so passionate as Baptist churches, Southern Baptist churches, about evangelism. And we are so passionate about people walking closely with Jesus. But we must be passionate about training our people. Is it not possible that sometimes we underestimate the simple power of the Bible? Maybe the best thing we can do for our kids, hear me out here, is teach them the Bible. Maybe if we start at childhood and through 18 years of teaching them the Bible at church and home and teaching them what it means for the Bible, how the whole Bible fits together and showing them how the whole Bible points to Christ. Now, I'm not talking about equipping them with a set of morals from the Bible. It's not what the Bible was meant to do. The Bible is meant to do what? To make us wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Perhaps if we teach our children the Scriptures, what will happen is we can say, continue in those things you've learned and remember from whom you learned them. Must teach them the Bible. We must teach our adults the Bible. Passionate about it. Passionate about knowing more about the Bible. I'm passionate about continuing in my own knowledge of the Bible. We must be passionate about our own personal intake of the scriptures. Hearing the word. These are these are from Donald Whitney. Here, here are ways to intake, take in the Bible. Personal intake. Hearing the word, reading the word. Studying the Word, memorizing the Word, meditating on the Word, and applying the Word. How do you take in the Bible? You hear the Word, you hear it preached, you hear it taught, you read the Word, you, you have a systematic plan of some sort to read the Bible. You study the Word, you focus in on certain passages to try to learn more about the Word. You memorize the Word, you try to commit portions of the Bible to memory. You meditate on the Word. You stop and consider these things and let it marinate in your heart and your soul we don't want to just be hearers of the word we want to be doers of the word and so we apply the word in our lives brothers and sisters we cannot overlook the simple power of the word of god we have been given this beautiful book from the lord the bible says it's inspired by the holy spirit and so we have the ability to do what it is we want to do and yet so often we leave the bible over to the side and try everything else Let's focus on the simple power of the Bible. And second of all, we must recognize this. Not only is the Bible simply powerful, but also the Bible is perfectly inspired. The Bible is perfectly inspired. I, I want to just show you a real simple phrase right here in verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture is breathed out 
by God. The, the, the word that we use, inspiration, is directly connected to this idea. It, it, it means for something to be breathed out. And so when we say that it's inspired, what we're saying is that God by His Spirit has breathed out the word. And so if the Bible is breathed out by God, that is, if God has spoken through the Scriptures, if every word of the Bible, as I say every Sunday, as the words on this page are being read to you, God Himself is speaking. Right? If the Bible is inspired, then it must be true, authoritative, and clear. If the Bible, and I think it is, is inspired by God, then it must be true, authoritative, and clear. Bible's inspired by God, and because it's inspired by God, it must be true because God doesn't lie. And so if God has spoken the Word of God, it, it must be true. If God has spoken the Word of God, it must be authoritative. Why? Because God is God and He's in control. I've asked you all this before, but let me ask you this question again. If God were in the room right now, and came up on stage, stood at the microphone, and said, I command each and every one of you here to do the hokey pokey. What would you do? That's right, you'd turn yourself around. That's exactly right. <laughs> you'd do the hokey pokey, wouldn't you? You'd do exactly what God said for you to do. And so our view of the Bible is that it's God's Word, that it's the authoritative Word of God. And so when God tells us to do something in the Bible, it's as if He's in the room with us telling us to do it. We must recognize that the Bible is authoritative. It has authority over our lives. Nothing in the history of my life and in my years of ministry has ever baffled me more. Nothing baffles me like when I talk to a believer who's clearly in sin. I tell them, you know that what you're doing and what you're saying directly contradicts God's word. And they say to me, in effect, I don't care baffles me and I'm not saying I'm perfect I live a perfect life but at the end of the day we must look at this and recognize you know what God has spoken but there's a third point here that I'm, I'm trying to help you understand and that's that the Bible is clear it, it's not just true it's not just authoritative the Bible is clear one of my pet peeves is people who deliberately misunderstand the Bible all you have to do is open up a newspaper watch a TV show and people will say I you know, this is what the Bible says. The Bible commands this. Because the Bible's described something doesn't mean the Bible's telling us to do it. What the Bible describes is not always what the Bible prescribes. So people say, what is biblical marriage? There's some bad marriages in the Bible. And that's the whole point. The Bible's supposed to point us toward Jesus. The Bible is perfectly inspired. Brothers and sisters, we have... A word from the Lord. I like to tell people that. People like to say things to preachers. Sounds spiritual, what they like, you know, they like to say spiritual things to preachers. So you got a word? You got a word from the Lord tomorrow? Yep. Sure do. All right. Well, what is it? Second Timothy chapter three, verses fourteen through seventeen. It's a word from the Lord. Every Sunday. I don't come in this pulpit with personal revelations. I don't come in this pulpit with impressions of what God might have said this week. 
I don't come in this pulpit with that stuff. Y'all don't need my personal intimations of what I think God might have said. You need me to go to the text and come to the pulpit from the text and tell you what the Lord has said in the Bible. I don't have something else to say besides that. And the Bible is clear. The Bible is inspired by God. And so every day we have the opportunity to commune with God by hearing from Him through His Word, by speaking to Him through prayer. Brothers and sisters, the Bible is perfectly inspired. And finally, the Bible is beautifully sufficient. It's our third point this morning. The Bible is beautifully sufficient. I love that phrase. I love that phrase. All Scripture is breathed out by God. And just as I've showed you already, that bald assertion there, all Scripture is breathed out by God, carries with it a lot of implications. But, but Paul teases out some more implications here for us. All Scripture is breathed out by God, verse 16, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Bible, all Scripture, is breathed out by God. There's not a verse in here that's not breathed out by God. Something that kind of cracks me up. Some some folks are a little more brave than I am, I think. Because some people, even Christians, will critique the Bible. Bible critics said, oh boy, I don't know why the Lord put that book in there. Man, that book's boring. And, and listen, I, I've been with you. I've, I've struggled through some books of the Bibles. I've read them. And, and I get where you're coming from. But at the same time, if we come to a book of the Bible and we don't see any of these things here, teaching, reproof, correction, or training in righteousness, I, I've got bad news for you. The problem's not with the book. The problem's with us. That we can't see it, that we can't understand it. The Bible, brothers and sisters, is profitable. And the Bible says all of the scriptures, every part of God's word is profitable for these things. For teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness. Now, not every part of the Bible is, is perfect for all those things. But the Bible as a whole, we recognize all the scriptures are there to help us in these things to train us in righteousness, to correct us, to reprove us, to teach us. And I think it's important for us as Christians to recognize that when we come to the Scriptures, so often we want to go straight to training in righteousness. I just want something I can do on Monday. All right? You, you ever felt that way? You go to the Bible, I just want something to do. Y'all ever felt that way? Something to do? Yeah, I have. I felt that way, all right? Just give me something to do on, on Monday. Let me ask you this question. Do you really think that's what you need is something to do? The Bible's giving you plenty to do, and I'm just going to be honest with y'all. We ain't doing it. Anybody ever read the Ten Commandments before? Let's start there. Then we'll give you something else to do, right? No, we can't do it. That's the point. So often we need to be taught 
grace. We need to be taught this beauty of the Bible. Sometimes we need to see a picture of somebody else failing to know, hey, I can't do it on my own. We need to recognize that we're going to struggle with what the Bible gives us to do. We always want homework, and yet we never do the homework. Because we can't do the homework. We need God to work in us. The Bible says that all of Scripture is there for us to be taught, to be trained in righteousness, to be corrected, to be reproved. So for what purpose? That the man of God, the Bible will often use man as a representative term for both men and women. I hope you're okay with that. Because the Bible uses Jesus as a representative man for both men and women. And I'm thrilled with that. And so we'll, we'll let the Bible sometimes sub man in there. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every, the Bible says, every good work. You know what I think Paul's painting here for Timothy? I think he's a painting a picture of the sufficiency of the Bible. He's painting a picture of the sufficiency of the Bible. Is that great hymn that our wonderful choir sang earlier says, What more can he say? Than to you he has said. The Bible is sufficient. Let me ask you this question. What are we looking for besides the Bible? What is it that we're looking for in addition to the Bible? Are we looking for an experience in addition to the Bible? Think about some of the, think about some of the experiences that the children of Israel had. And yet they still died in the wilderness. Why? Because they ignored God's word. Think about, think about the rich man and Lazarus. Rich man says, can you go and tell my brothers so that they'll repent? I don't want them to come to this place. What does Lazarus tell them? If they didn't listen to the Moses and the prophets, they won't believe even if someone should rise from the dead. Are you looking for a miracle? A miracle won't do it. The Bible's full of people who had Miracles, and yet who still didn't believe. Why? Because they ignored God's word. The Bible is sufficient. The Bible is what we need. The Bible is sufficient for what God has called us to do. Think about it like this. How healthy would your spiritual life be if you would do what the Bible says to do? How healthy would your spiritual life be if you did what the Bible says to do? Let me ask you this question. What would your marriage look like if you followed the Bible? What would your marriage look like if you followed the Bible? I was really passionate, and still am, but I, I, I just graduated college. I was a theology major down at University of Mobile, and Whitney and I got married. I was 22. Whitney was 21 when we got married. And so we were real young. And um, like I said, I just I, I was starting a career in ministry and had just graduated from college and, and had really been passionate for several years at that point about studying the Bible. And I'd really studied a lot about marriage leading up to marriage. read a lot of books on marriage and had spent a lot of time praying and studying over like Ephesians 5. It talks about husbands loving Christ as Love the church as he loved the church. And I remember thinking, 
I am going to rock at being a husband. Because all I got to do is simple. It's true. It is simple. The Bible says to do some stuff, and so I'm going to do it, and I'm going to knock being a husband out of the park. And then after that, one of these days, I'm going to be a pastor, and I'm really going to kill that because the Bible says do this and this and this and this, and then you'll be a great pastor too. It's not so simple, is it? Whitney, how'd I do? You're one. Don't answer. <laughs> I didn't do everything the Bible said to do. I hadn't lived down all those things like I needed to. I knew what the Bible said, but it's so easier to say it rather than do it. But here's the reality we must recognize as Christians. The problem's not with the Bible. The problem's with our own sinfulness. And what the Bible teaches us is that what the Scripture does is over time, it transforms our hearts and our minds. And though we might know what the Bible says to do, it's not a matter of just getting it in a doggy back and taking it home on Monday and getting it out and saying, all right, let's follow the instructions. Like we bought a piece of furniture at Ikea. We're going to get this figured out today. No, it's about over time being taught and instructed and corrected and reproved and trained in righteousness, the Bible says, so that over time we are equipped by the transformation of the word for every good work, the Bible says. That mean it happens overnight. Some of y'all are a long way down the road from me, and you recognize there's still a ways to go before you're just like Jesus, before you're walking like you should. And yet, brothers and sisters, what we must all recognize is that the Bible is glorious for us, and we must take it in for God to change our lives by the power of the Spirit and by the power of His Word. My hope and my prayer is that when you get home and you set this down wherever you set it, or you get to the one that you keep on your bedside table, or the one you keep on your desk, or the one you keep in your car, or the one that's on your phone, when you look at it, I hope you don't just glance at it, but I hope you look at it and you see what a treasure and what a privilege you have in having God's Word available to you every day single day I want to offer an invitation this morning if you're not a believer I want you to know that what the Bible teaches us the purpose of the Bible is to teach us that if we will turn from our sins in repentance turn to God in faith through Jesus Christ he will save us and so this morning I hope and pray that you'll do just that put your trust and faith in Jesus second of all you may be a believer and you may say pastor I, I need to get in God's word more this altar is open to you. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. I'd love to talk to you today about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for Jesus Christ, and we thank you for his gospel. God, we thank you for this opportunity we have to gather together here this morning in your name, to hear your word read and sung and preached. And God, I pray that you'll move in our hearts and lives today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.